Hello, and welcome back to another very exciting episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. He's back! <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for this incredibly exciting episode. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. As you can tell, we are both giddy as can be over here. The Could day not be has more finally excited. come. It's here, the soundtrack to Shovel Knight Dig, a brand new score by legendary composer vert jake kaufman a new vert score (laughs) wow i mean i am so excited for this this episode is going to be pretty special because you're going to get some of our raw reactions especially will i have listened to the score um but i i i've only listened to it once and it was it was pretty quick um Will has not heard this yet, and so it's going to be a really exciting first reaction. Uh, This game just came out this past Friday, if you're listening to this episode on release. And it is kind of a spin-off game, but it's its own game. It's not a DLC. This is its own game. Uh, And the music had a very different approach. I was very surprised by the soundtrack in, in a good way. It's really cool. So Jake made the soundtrack of Shovel Knight Dig on Bamboo Tracker. Will, have you ever heard of Bamboo Tracker? Yes, from you this weekend uh, when we were hanging out, because I actually went back to Minnesota this weekend, and it was really fun. I got to spend you know a lot of time with Carl and Marty, which was great. Yeah, and, and you one had of a the friend we were talking about. Well. You know, we have a brand new Monkey Island game that just came out. That, yeah, we got to get uh, to that eventually too. About. And we also have a brand new Shovel Knight game and Jake Kaufman. Embarrassment so of riches. It's an exciting time for video game music fans. For video game fans, uh, I'm it just is. yeah. But Bamboo Tracker, yeah, you were explaining this. It to is me. a free um, open source tracker and. One of the things that I've definitely heard it being used for is PC-98 chiptunes, and that's the case here. So this is a score that Jake made with the YM-2608. It's a Yamaha FM sound chip that's kind of similar to the Genesis, but it has some differences. So this is a PC-98 sound chip score, and of course, that's what Jake went for. He's always trying to surprise us. What a great choice. I I absolutely love that sound. Already I can tell... um, just how much I'm going to love this because really the concept of, like you said, it's, it evokes the Genesis, but it isn't it yeah. exactly. It's very similar to the spirit of the original game where he uses that VRC six instead of just the standard right, conventional like, NES lineup. Well, if you think of the, the great Japanese PC system music that we've played so much over the podcast, there's such a heavy emphasis on those pulse wave PSG channels. Um, so it's just such a great choice. And I'm just so excited to get into this. So what you guys heard playing in, that was actually the trailer theme. Uh, And so that was the first piece of music that anyone ever heard uh, from Shovel Knight Dig. And we're going to play most of the soundtrack. Every main stage theme we we do have time for today. Uh, There's a handful of boss themes and some jingles that we don't have time for. But what do you say, Will? Should we just dive in? Let's do it, man. Oh, Okay, so we're going to start off with overground uh, main layer we have three different versions of overground to enjoy today but yeah this is overground main layer composed by jay kaufman from shovel knight dig Thank you. 
vibey and beautiful. And what I love about this is it's so clear to me that he is inspired by great Japanese PC-98 tunes. Uh, you know, scores such as You Know or even Ground Seed, he's inspired by those. I mean, you know Jake is a nerd of VGM, so he definitely knows that music. And that was a style that I was not expecting to hear um, on the score. Yes, it feels at home in the Shovel Knight universe as well. Um, but yeah, there's this element of a vibe that I was not expecting and I love the thing about it is he's better than all those guys. Like, Jake Kaufman, he's such I a don't good disagree. writer. He, to me, it's very similar to, like, watching a Tarantino film, where you can see what the influences are, but arguably mm-hmm. his films reach a level of art, like, beyond oh, totally. the things that are influencing him. And I feel that way about Jake. It's like he wears his influences on his sleeve, yet... The heights that he reaches, though, over the years, he's incredible. He's developed such a sophisticated musical voice, and it 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 grew in the sort of world of pastiche. Whether it was uh, kind of the chiptune pastiche, which is obviously a more recent thing, or you know, so many of the scores where he's evoked, you know, seventies genres, or in the case of Shovel Knight, you know, old baroque, classical, medieval musical sounds. But mm-hmm. what we've, you know, we've talked about this for years on the podcast is he's not just, you know, donning his cap to that with a wink and a nod the way something like Castlevania does. He legitimately goes for these really authentic classical forms, and he has the the knowledge and sophistication to like nail that stuff as well as pay tribute to all of the kind of, you know, 80s gaminess that I think mm-hmm. so many of us have that nostalgia for. And he can do that together. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I just think there's very few people alive that can and can do what Jake does. And, I mean, he's really one of the only people I know who's actually oh, doing it. I am so on cloud nine on this episode. So like I said, we don't have time for every boss theme, but we're going to now move on to the first stage theme. So I haven't played this game, uh, it just came out, but I assume that the overground tracks uh, must be kind of like the main hub world. That's what I would imagine. So let's move on to the first stage theme. It's called Spore Judgment, um, also known as Mushroom Mines. Here we go. I am in love. It's Jake on the PC-98. Wow. This is just 
I'm be I'm getting spoiled. It's like Christmas and my birthday all wrapped into one soundtrack here. Spore Judgment, which is the title of the track, and the stage is actually called Mushroom Minds. I love Jake on the system. We got to talk about the sounds here. We got to talk about these drum samples sound so good and, and so much better than most PC 98 games, you know, back in the 90s and stuff. Uh, I love the sound of those drums. I love what he's getting out of all these channels. So we have a lot more channels. That's the first thing to say. Uh, more than the Genesis was capable. That's one of the great things about the PC-98. So he has plenty of channels to have really lush harmonies, great arrangements. It's so colorful and busy. Wow, th there is a lot to listen for. And this is a score, I will say, it, it, it's going to be rewarding on multiple listens. <laughs> you know, and the, I think that... One thing that I feel like I've learned about writing music and trackers over the years is that I think it actually encourages a certain kind of perfectionism mm -hmm. because yeah, no, um, for sure, it, it takes. And I'm not saying not saying that you have to go slow because we all know that Jake is really fast with this stuff. But you have to it's be just methodical. You have to be intentional about every single thing. And so, for instance, it's like the unique kinds of panning effects he was doing, where every yeah. note was oscillating back and forth. Those it's so kinds colorful, of details. Man. You could, of course, do that in a DAW, but I think you would have to have the intention beforehand, where with a tracker, it's like you're almost required to establish every parameter all the time. So you're just constantly, I think, aware of all the little things that you can augment yeah. and adjust. And Jake makes great use of all of them. And I was alluding to this earlier that, you know, in the same way that the original Shovel Knight uses the VRC6 to sort of create what our memory imagined the NES to sound like, in the same way I think this is using the PC-98 to capture our collective memories of the Genesis. And mm -hmm. what I love about the arrangement of this track is the first, like, almost minute or something it is very it feels very standard in like using the conventional like what the genesis actually sounded like but then when the drum samples come in and the arrangement of the track really expands and it's that feeling of almost the old meeting the new where this is yeah, kind it of opens the up. post you know dubstep edm world of fm game music and it's just like that was such an exciting moment for the opening stage of the game to have that feeling of like opening up the floor jake has done this multiple times now in his career and it's so impressive he takes old hardware and makes it feel so new and so fresh because we haven't heard once again it's like we when shovel knight came out um, I hadn't heard VRC6 music like that. Um, right. When this game came out, I haven't heard PC-98 music quite like this. And so it's well, that, really inspiring. What's so cool about someone like Jake Kaufman is he both can be a master of the kind of groove and funk elements that make a lot of classic FM music work. But like we talked about, it's like he can do that orchestral, filmic, or classical sound to a mm -hmm. T just as well as he can do the rhythmic thing. And by combining them it's together, kind of you know, this track uses this like Dorian modal thing, which feels like totally spot on for the kind of medieval world. Yet it doesn't just feel like generic chord progressions. It has no, a really unique harmonic approach and it's modulating and having these really interesting slash chords. And it's like, it's the level of detail and sophistication that you would expect from like a golden age Hollywood score. Yeah. But yet that mixed with the groovy, you know, FM and sound speaking of like of 90s that, game music. I mean, 
the groovy stuff is 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 some of my favorite elements of the score and this track is quite groovy let's move on to the next track we're going to play today it's called thermal vent and that is a theme for lost atlantis by jay kaufman so good to have this man back <laughs> you guys are listening to thermal vent which has lost atlantis so we've talked about you know jake's abilities and the fact that he can write in so many different styles and really have his cake and eat it too and all of us can have our cake and eat it too but that was such a good choice for this chip i mean the pc98 can do groovy funky stuff maybe better than any other chip um it can do vibey stuff it can do filmic uh orchestral imagination stuff like it doesn't yeah it doesn't sound like an orchestra well, but also um, you I, can have I don't a lushness wanna, to it i don't want to minimize his effort in the programming because i think mm-hmm. it's easy to listen to something this exceptional and be like oh you man this chip sounds great on this chip but i'm sure that it could also sound terrible in much less capable hands and i think it's like yeah. you know this is someone. It's just a match made just, in heaven. It's he's a master, really. Like if there's such a thing as a master, it's of a music, powerful chip, and it's in the hands of a powerful master. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's master of best. all of all of his elements at his disposal, like all of the musical elements, the harmonic, rhythmic, and melodic components to this piece are just, I like, like we've come to expect with this gentleman's work. I mean, it's just of the highest caliber i mean it's mm-hmm. it really is and it's pulling no punches is it's so incredibly satisfying and it is it is scratching every possible itch i mean yeah it's just delightful to get more music from this man i mean it's it's, I, it's I, surreal it's the best yeah he blows me Will, away an element that i'm so excited for you to hear of the score is just how damn epic it gets And are you ready for that, Will? Strap in. This track is badass. The writing is incredible. I think you're going to love this, Will. Here we go. It's In Ambush from Shovel Knight Dig.
Oh my god. This is a confident composer. <laughs> it's like you have a clear idea and you just execute it perfectly. I mean, wow. Uh, there's not a lot of FM music that has ever been written like this before. That's this expressive, this bombastic. It's it's a treat. Yeah, I mean, I think if there really is a modern day Mozart, it's Jake Kaufman. And that sounds yep, like, gosh, how much can you stroke this guy's ego? But I just uh, mean that in never the enough. sense, too, of personality, of like the sort of seemingly yeah. effortless quality with which this music just pours out of him. The sense mm -hmm. of fun and jubilance. There's not a lot of music that's unabashedly joyous in the modern world that yeah. music that's unabashedly joyous that is also like really intellectual and really like yeah. thoughtfully composed so, but it's like serving a such a universal appealing purpose like it I, one of the yeah. things i love about this score is that a lot of the really epic and exciting tracks such as the boss themes they're very filmic and they remind me of intense battle film music. And so I think people like Will, people that have tastes like Will, are really going to enjoy that. But they're also really proggy. And so I feel yeah. like people that just like progressive music are going to enjoy it. So well, that's it's actually very thing. universal. I think the thing that's so wonderful about tonal harmony is that really there's only so much that you can do with it. And so there's throughout history been a lot of instances of parallel thinking and what's neat is in those moments of parallel thinking you can create these bridges across generations we've talked about this before the use of modal writing to evoke old like norse folk music or european folk traditions yet it also makes us think of like 70s progressive rock bands or metal mm -hmm. bands that kind of reaching across into the past and creating this amb ambiguous between you know old and new is something that many game composers have used to their advantage and i think yeah. jake does something very distinct with his shovel knight music because it's the same kind of concept yet he's it's completely different musical elements in the case like this to me harmonically and in terms of the writing and the counterpoint this sounds like film music i mean i hear you know jerry goldsmith and alan silvestri and james horner even john williams kind of action music that use of that totally you know octatonic scale and the this really um, this music that sounds so narrative, it feels like it's scoring something specific. And old game music, for the most part, didn't tend to sound like this, with the exception of, I would say, like the work of, a, honestly, a Peter McConnell, but Clint Bajakian kind of a thing. I'm super excited for you to hear that style um, mixed with like a straight-up prog rock band right. <laughs> sound, too. We're going to get to that, too. It's It's so, so cool. Okay. Let's play another stage theme here before we move on to really the first boss theme of the day, which I'm very excited for. This stage theme is called Fully Furnished, and it is Smelt Works.
absolutely badass. So as you guys are hearing, this score gets a little dark. It gets darker than Shovel Knight. It is more rocking than Shovel Knight 2, and we really haven't heard anything yet in that department. But wow, um, really, really impressive music. This is Fully Furnished, which is Smelt Works by Jake. Man, it's just so imaginative and full. There's so much to listen for. Like, I could listen to this track three times in a row, and I still wouldn't be able to hear everything that's happening. Just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think in simple terms, it really feels like Jake is trying to capture the difference in terms of the gameplay, where the original Shovel Knight was capturing the classic side-scroller formula of the NES days, and it, it had that kind of heroic athleticism that you mm-hmm. know inspires the player to keep pushing forward from the left side of the screen to the right. And, you know, this game is more about descending deeper and deeper into these subterranean passages. And mm-hmm. I think the music has that similarly equivalent. Oh, yeah, dark it's heavy. <laughs> it's quality. <deep. laughs> I mean, in this case, we get some borrowing of the Phrygian mode, which is the I, I, really one of the darkest of the modes where there's these two, you know, minor tonalities right next to each other. And there this this kind of the flat two is you know, the um, scalar note that connotates the Phrygian mode. And it mm-hmm. just gives us this feeling of heaviness and darkness. Of course, like all of Jake's music, it usually is too complex to analyze within the context of one single mode. Yeah, he doesn't stay there very modulating long, yeah. and everything. But just to illustrate, I think the overall emotional character of this track, I would say, comes down to that sound of like that Phrygian mm-hmm. sound. And that's very different from what I think of, of Shovel Knight. It tends to be that more Dorian or right. Mixolydian, like heroism and old fashioned valor. Yeah, he- you know, you could study the score just in the context of modes, and he is jumping around so much. Uh, and speaking of modes, I want to give a shout out to Modal Module, who I I do believe is going to absolutely love this score. Uh, okay, so speaking of that, let's get proggy, everyone. This is the first boss theme of the day. It's Boss the Forger. hat is just off it's a master class of chip writing but it's like it's it's not just writing chip tunes it's writing fresh new expressive emotional amazing inspiring chip tunes um wow this is boss the forger listen to the drums 
everybody. I mean, from here on out in the rest of the score, like, especially on the boss themes, the drums are incredible. You know, I think I've, we've said something like this before, but I feel like so confidently today more than ever, Jake Kaufman is the John Williams of video games in yeah. the sense that I know it's, it's the obvious example would be Koji Kondo, but that's only if you're looking at like iconic contemporaries of those mediums but if you look at what john williams was for film music this is someone who was very much an old soul his sensibilities Mm -hmm. more reflect composers of the 30s and 40s much rather than his own generation in but it partly it was like his interpretation of those composers packaged together with something that felt like very relevant and fresh. And I think that's what Jake does to classic game music. It's like in that method of sort of looking back and capturing all that was great and all that was triumphant about that music, but yet bringing like perhaps a slightly more nuanced or sophisticated Mm -hmm. lens emotionally than a lot of that music in the same way that like, in my opinion, when you listen to a lot of John Williams scores, Um, In terms of how they score and support the scene, they're a lot more subtle. I mean, decades of, you know, film music and of just filmmaking in general have transpired. So some of the things that composers would have gotten away with in the 30s and 40s that maybe now would seem cliche. Right. You know, John Williams has a much more nuanced, dark, subtle approach. I think you could say the same thing about this boss track as compared to like a classic VGM boss track from the eighties or nineties, as much as yeah. I might love that stuff. This is like, it's in that genre. This it's in that score you, but it's like, it feels more grown up and I, I don't know what it is, but the score feels grizzled. Right. Um, okay. We're going to go back to the overground and this is overground campfire layer. Here we go. You guys listening to Overground Campfire Layer, and I've talked a little bit about some of my um, ideas of, of some of his inspirations, possibly, uh, for this score, but I gotta say a huge one is definitely Takanochi's work on the Genesis, uh, particularly the Shining series. I think that yes. was very inspirational, especially for a track like this, for Jake. See, I... 
I'm, I have kind of two thoughts about that because on the one hand, I absolutely hear the similarity, but part of that is also just because so few composers <laughs> went for this I kind know. of approach. Yeah, it's true. And I think when someone does it with authenticity and with this sort of earnestness, which is I think one of the reasons it didn't happen a lot, I think partially due to Sega's marketing and everything, like part of the branding of the Genesis was so overtly aimed at like contemporary things, contemporary genres of music and trying to be cool and hip. But that also freezes so much of the Genesis in the 90s where something like this is as timeless as timeless can be because it's this music that sounds potentially hundreds of years old yet mixed with these very specific synthesizer sounds it's so i know we talked about this on the shining episode and i know this is 98 so we have more channels but it really proves that you can do this kind of music on fm i mean you can make orchestral really imaginative lush subtle at times sophisticated music you can do that on a trip like this uh, just because it's very rarely done, because it's very hard <laughs> uh, to do. Um, yeah, he's really proving that there's a lot of possibilities with a chip like this. I mean, yeah, you have to have his command. Right. Well, something that inspires me so much about Jake's music in general is that I feel like he so regularly can capture this like universal appeal. Like His music is very melodic, and there's a lot of his tracks mm-hmm. that are really catchy and memorable. Yet, um, I also get the sense that with every single piece of music he writes, he wants to surprise himself. He wants to try something new that he's never done before. And us, too. I mean, I'm surprised all the time on the score. He pulls the rug out from under you just enough to to keep your mind engaged, which I think is something that isn't really necessary for this kind of approach to music making because yeah. Jake isn't someone who really is he's he doesn't sacrifice you know artistic experimentation for appeal like he wants to make something catchy he wants to make something satisfying but it also it can be experimental there are as well. multi multi layers to the score and it's clear to me that like Jake was going for more than just a great melody or more than just a solid tune like there's multi you know layers to this and this is a great example it's a banger i love this track it's super groovy but it's very evocative very unique it's just jake it's classic jake (laughs) one person's trash which is magic landfill
You guys are listening to One Person's Trash, which is Magic Landfill. Uh, and we're going to hear this a little bit more towards the end of the playlist, but um, I was actually talking a little bit to Carlos about this. There's a little bit of sonic vibes here and there, and I know part of that is we're hearing these classic FM instruments, but um, something about the colorful writing and arpeggiation, uh, particularly later on in this playlist, definitely reminded me of that. Um, man, I just, he gets so much out of this chip. I mean, the, the vibes, kind of vibraphone-esque tremolo that he gets on this track is so cool, so impressive. I don't know if I've ever really heard that exact effect on the PC-98 before. This is such a cool track. Yeah, it's interesting because I think one characteristic of Jake's music is this, you know, we use the word intricate a lot, but intricate, you know, constructed fast lines, these arpeggios Mm -hmm. and these, you know, scalar runs and everything. And in the same way, you know, as the example earlier of the things that evoke multiple time periods or genres, what's cool about his kind of writing like that is this fast arpeggiation both makes us think of electronic music and synthesizers as well as like complex Paganini style, you know, classical virtuosity. And I think he very, he's very much aware of that and sort of yeah. playing those two sides of imitating like orchestral virtuosity and very much embracing the electronic virtuosity of these mm-hmm. chip sounds. And it's the it's the kind of thing where yes, I would love to hear an arranged version of this with players. That would be amazing, be really fun, but I don't really need it because it is music that is written for this chip and like clearly this chip excited him. Uh, You know, like, what can I do? What can I express with this? Um, It's just so amazing. Well, all right, let's let's stretch out here and get ready for another boss theme. We don't want to pull a muscle. This is Boss the Pack Rat. Boss the Pack Rat. I mean, everyone else can just go home. Anyone else that would try to make boss music that could hold a candle to this, just good luck. Wow, he is a master. The, the dr- It's some of the best drum, like, you know, chip drum writing uh, or sample drum writing I've ever heard, to be honest. it's If you soloed, and you guys can do that, just like Shovel Knight, um, this soundtrack, if you go on, Vert's Bandcamp page, you can download the actual source file, which if you open up Bamboo Tracker, you can, you know, then look at this stuff. You can solo the drums. It's just a masterclass. What he does 
uh, you know, for the skins, if you will, the snare, the kick, the toms. He has great samples, but for any cymbal stuff, it's all noise, which I think is a great choice. Like the hi-hat stuff, it's all, you know, white noise, which makes it feel a little more old school, um, but it actually makes it feel a little more hard-hitting. It's just a great, great choice. Well, and something that, you know, I was reminded of when listening to this track is that something that I think gets overshadowed sometimes because of all of Jake's incredible music for really now this Shovel Knight series at this point is the fact that Manami Matsumai, the Capcom veteran and author of the original Mega Man soundtrack, wrote several tracks for Shovel Knight. Yeah. And I think what was so interesting as a fan of her music as well as Jake's, hearing her tracks in Shovel Knight so surprised me in the way that a lot of Koji's more recent work on like the Mario games does. Yeah. yeah, because they they were not it wasn't her doing her classic thing. She wasn't like mm-hmm. imitating herself. They were really harmonically sophisticated, dark, using whole tone scales I think and all they these inspired things that I him. felt like, yes, especially exactly. with the later That's what I was stuff at. he did and this, yeah. Yeah, and well, part of it is the use of motivic development throughout all of these scores is a big feature. The idea of yep. calling back to melodic elements and, and harmonic elements here. from earlier tracks in the series. And I also yep. feel like her contributions have sort of become a part of the fabric of the musical language of oh, Shovel absolutely. Knight. And I think it's really evident in a track like this. The, bah, 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 that the, the way that's harmonized with those parallel moving tritones and everything that really reminds me of some of Manami's writing and some of the ways that he interpreted her themes in the boss variations of the original game like that I'm getting some of those vibes on this as well and just wait until he gets to collaborate with Yuzo Koshiro for his next project Mina the Hollower that's going to be incredible okay uh speaking of Yuzo Koshiro I know he did a little bit in the series not too much but this next track to me is very Castlevania Esque. It's really devious, really fun. It's Pest Friends, which is Insect Hive. love the score yeah it is a, a very different uh feel it's a change from the original shovel knight soundtrack i mean these stage themes are so dark i mean they're not a lot lighter than the boss themes and i know with shovel knight there was a maybe a stronger contrast 
from the vibe of a stage theme to the vibe of a boss theme. Um, whereas, yeah, I mean, this is super dark. This one is very playful and fun. It's having a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one thing that you should definitely maybe brace yourself for when you're listening to the soundtrack. Because it's, we should have said that at the top, but it's, it's dark. Well, and I think... It's, in all fairness, the original Shovel Knight, like we're saying, is a lot darker than many yeah. of the classic, you know, size. No, that's definitely true. I think part of that is to reflect the sort of intensity, maybe that we've come to expect with games in terms of the whole presentation, mm-hmm. the level of you know epic scale that you know a lot of AAA games are able to achieve these days is something that an 8-bit side-scroller can't necessarily do. In this case, sort of like a 16-bit hybrid, um, you know, platforming, they're calling it a roguelite, but, like, that a game like this really needs music. It needs the music to make it feel like it's of the stakes of, you know, an equivalent modern-day title that is taking full advantage of the hardware. And I think that's one of the things that makes these retro games, I think, more fun to score is because the music has a a broader canvas. Uh, It can Mm -hmm. take up more space without feeling that it's stepping on anything. And, I mean, you can't have a better composer than Jake to really take full advantage of this canvas. Right. And, and yes, this game needs music, but another thing I'm just hearing in the soundtrack is how important uh, the reprieves are when you go back to the overground because that's when you get a little bit of that hope and optimism and you definitely need that with how dark the stage themes are. Right. So, well, and another that. thing that I think needs to be called out on this track in particular is just again his outstanding implementation. I was hearing things here that Second I've never none. heard on an actual old school chip tune. First of all is the idea of using multiple channels on <laughs> on a unison. For instance, the melody will stop on a note and a counter it's melody so will expressive. start on the yeah. same note but in a different sort of timbre. It's the kind of thing that you would do in like orchestral arranging where now the trumpets right? take over with some phrase. But typically, you know, when you think of classic chiptune music, they were so concerned with the limited channels that you would never waste two channels on the same pitch unless you're well, doing I don't some know sort if of you've effect. noticed this, but Sometimes today he's doing that for like phasing effects. Like he's right. doing it for a specific effect or a velocity increase. Yeah, there I mean, this yes, guys, this is a gush fest today. <laughs> um there's so much I could praise about about the score, but we we got to keep going here. So, we're going to go back one more time today to the overground and this is a jam. It's super laid back. It's Overground Hoofman's Shop Layer.
We're listening to Overground Hoofman's Shop Layer. You know, something that, again, we have to mention, as we were recording this, the soundtrack is as hot and fresh as it can be. Neither one of us have actually had the chance to play <laughs> through Shovel Knight Dig yet. So I something can't wait. I can't wait to hear is how this music actually interacts, because it's mm-hmm. clear that all of this Overground music uses the same, you know, musical underpinnings. It's the same lead yep. sheet underneath, but just these different arrangements, different stylistic interpretations. Interpretation of that material. And one thing that I don't know as we're listening to this is how it's actually implemented. Is it more like that iMuse technology where, you know, as one section ends, another thing starts? Or, or do you have to like unlock sort of sections? Yeah, yeah, crossfading layers, or does it just cut? I'm this is the kind of things where what's cool about a modern day chip tune is that you can utilize more subtle and complex implementation schemes than would have been possible in um older games yet still have this kind of you know chip aesthetic the way that jake does that is just so refreshing i don't know there's something that i was just really impressed with and again i need to play the game to really see how how it's implemented um yeah there's i guess a a sense of it's funny to say that with the music we're listening to but there is a sense of restraint for jake there is there's a sense of restraint in this score um it's incredibly epic at times, but I don't know. There's there's some sort of like older, more sophisticated vibe that I'm getting from the score, which was a bit of a surprise, but I'm just so into... Well, yeah, I don't think he's the same composer who wrote Shovel Knight. I mean, I think his work in the DLC games very much pushed him to expand his chops in the kind of more oh my gosh, yeah. explicitly classical. And I think that has just well, and, stayed and with him cool as a writer. And it was cool to see that progression because it feels like every single Shovel Knight thing other than Pocket Dungeon uh, just got darker and darker in some ways, you know? Um, well, I guess King of Cards wasn't dark, but I mean, it was definitely the most classical um, yeah, it's it's just been an absolute treat to, to see the progression. You know, something that I'd love to do, because, you know, when you think back to like some of the early days of our podcast, we would do episodes, and I mean, we still do to this day, but episodes on entire classic series like Mario or Sonic or Castlevania, and we just play certain selections from I the games. I would love to do but a Shovel Knight Shovel Knight, Knight is a game episode, that came dude. out once we had started the podcast, and we've done spotlights on, you know, every single title. We definitely got to do that. Someday I'd love to just do kind of a greatest hit of like all the shovel. The night. best playlist of all time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this next track, it reminds me of something that I loved about the score. There were certain moments in this next track, might be one of them, where I swear it reminded me of Aladdin on the Genesis, like the Don Griffin original Genesis Aladdin music. This kind of like really exciting filmic uh battle music but you're hearing it on on the genesis or on fm sound chip so yeah that i think we're going to hear a little bit of that vibe in this next track it's really cool it's beware the depths
so good. This is Beware the Depths from Shovel Knight Dig, and just a little warning for everyone that the next track is going to be our track of the week. I am so excited. I've been waiting <laughs> the whole episode for it. I just can't say enough about it, and I'm really excited for Will to hear it. Um, but yeah, the progression of listening to the soundtrack is just really special because there's a lot of contrast. I mean, we have really creepy, dark stuff, yes, but we have so much groove, so much energy, really rocking what seemed like a rock band, you know, hard-hitting active bass and amazing drums. There's really, I think, a lot to love. Um, maybe not for everyone, but for a lot of people on the score. Yeah, I completely agree. I definitely hear the Don Griffin. Um, right. As well. I think part of it is just that, like, very filmic approach, very, like, 90s. Also sort of animation like it, this is music yeah, exactly. that sounds like score to an old Bugs Bunny cartoon or it's like that because that's o- what it often was, a yeah. lot of the old animation music is very classical very late romantic in its style whether it's something explicit like Fantasia or even just the work of like a Carl Stalling is very classical and so I think there's this tradition of you know animation with classical music and really the style of you know the aesthetic of Shovel Knight even though it's always been pixel art is really like an animated look I told Will this this weekend but there's actually some tracks that reminded me of Neon Root too just some of the the filmic stuff uh, that we did with you know FM on that. I don't score, even so. wanna. Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> no comment they shouldn't on even that. be in the same sentence. <laughs> well, guys, I couldn't be more excited to move on to this week's track of the week. It's just a banger. It's it's a classic. It's probably one of my favorite pieces of EGM I've heard in a long time. Um, it's it's just I don't know. It's just everything I love about Jay Kaufman. Leave it at that. It's Who Needs Honor, which is Drill Knight's Castle. I'm going to keep listening because this track is a long form. I'm just going to listen and... Oh, Oh my God. It's so funky. It's so everything. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll, that's what I'm we'll saying. He's like it, freaking so, Mozart. There's Sonic vibes. There's way more than that, but... Oh, it's an amazing melody. The groove is, is just unrelenting. And the I mean, vibe... You know how wow. in Bill and Ted, you know, they that's go a back 10 out in of the 10. past, and they bring Beethoven to the present day, and he's, like, yeah. playing keyboards and stuff? I, yeah, this is like that. This. It's like if Mozart... You know, became yeah, and fascinated it's like, with chip tunes. I, he's it's like just, Mozart he's is playing. He's playing, you know, harpsichord, but he's like grooving out. He's like nodding and like smiling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the oh kind of sophistication of a Johann Sebastian Bach, but this is someone who loves like funk fusion. I mean, it's just. Well, you yeah, know why this is my favorite. How good this like, is. You get it. You get why I'm calling this track the week. It's like it's the grooviest track. And it's probably the track that has maybe the most poppy melody, um, but it's very complicated, and there's just as much precision as anything on the score. Yeah, but, I mean, this wow, is like it, something... It's know, a banger. There's a lot of video game music that I think um, great classical that and solo just kind incredible. of music theory-minded people from the past would probably not appreciate because I think the the limitations of the hardware or the shrillness of those timbres might bother some people but this is a track that if I think someone doesn't play appreciate to like this, Leonard I have Bernstein to fight them. and he would I have to punch him in the face know, be able to hear the genius in this I mean it's just yeah. it's so well executed this is something that you could get you know Leonard Bernstein and Michael Jackson and Minami Matsumai and just like you could get like so many people on board for a piece of music like this it's just it's just the best that is that is the oh best God. i love that track okay let's keep going here let's rock out now it's another boss theme it's boss the claim jumper <laughs> Like you guys are listening to Boss, the Claim Jumper. Uh, Will, what do you think of Jake's like filmic writing and his his sense of harmony and, and rhythms and just like very quick ideas? Uh, what do you think it would it would sound like for him to actually score a film? I think it would sound like Jake Kaufman. I think it would <laughs> sound like Shovel Knight. The thing is, is like this sounds like film music because of the um, because of the the kind of grammar of the writing but in terms of the actual harmonies the actual rhythms the actual melodic content he sounds like no one other than himself yeah, he has a very true. distinct voice in all of these particular quirks and idiosyncrasies that yes it's like this composer might use this kind of harmonic gesture at this time or you know this type of rhythm but jake has so many little characteristics that are distinct to himself. And to me, I think that's a sign of a great artist that even when they're parodying or satirizing 
another genre, they can still sound mm-hmm. like themselves. And I think that's because yeah. he has a lot to say. You know, he has a lot to offer musically, I think, to the There's world. so and, much to offer on this score. It's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, one thing that I want to call out again is just all of the motivic callbacks to the original yeah. game and some of those They're themes. They're all so tasteful. He does it so subtly. He does it in the way that John Williams will weave light motifs. It's never just like a dumb on I don't know the nose. if you agree. He does it the perfect amount that I was looking for. I I was a little worried that there would there would be more and like every stage theme would be like still based on some previous theme, which I was like really ready for like a new original score. And we get that here. But yes, we get some callbacks too. Uh, this next track I, I really love. It's just a wonderful arrangement. There's so much exciting trading off happening. I mean, all of these arrangements are incredible. But this one is no exception. Let's take a listen to Hegemony Crystal Core. I just can't take this. I, Jay Kaufman's my favorite composer. My, definitely my favorite video game composer. I like, you know, I guess I'll say my favorite Western video game composer. Um, this just charges me up and inspires me so much. I mean, yeah, there's Sonic in here. There really is. There's Sonic influence, and there's so much else in here. But he is just a master, and I... I don't even know what else to say. I'm just on cloud nine today. Yeah. I mean, this is such an, it's so inspiring whenever we gift. have an episode of Jake's music, but it just feels like he's gotten so sophisticated over the years that like yeah. when you listen to it, it's like, it just blows your mind. Uh, and he's it's capable mind of so much. Blowing. It feels like you're li- And that's why I say Mozart because he just, his music just seems brilliant like it's like genius and beyond understanding we we definitely were not talking about him that way when we first fell in love with him we were talking about him as someone who's just like you know his music is like a 10 out of 10 it's so catchy it has everything you'd want but yeah he's almost like transcended even that descriptor and yeah it's kind of crazy and also the fact that in in so many ways he's become so reclusive 
it also adds to this great almost mythos that I have of him of just being this sort of monastic character who is, you know, <laughs> become fixated on music and music alone because it's just he is such a master. He's just yeah. a master. He's at the best. Every man, it's okay. Crazy. It's a crazy couple more to me. tracks today. Um, the we have this, and then the playout. In the playout, um, it's it's two minutes and thirty four seconds. It's a bit of a long playout for us, but we're gonna play the whole thing because it's amazing. Um, but before we do that, this is rapid ascent. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on this thrill ride of an episode. Shovel Knight Dig by Jake Kaufman. Round of applause. I mean, I I was so excited to share this music with you, Will, and everyone who, you know, maybe hasn't checked it out this past weekend. Wow. I mean, he, he in some ways is getting better, but... I don't know if he's getting better. He's just, he's getting more sophisticated for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, that's what is so cool about him. And I think Tarantino is kind of an apt comparison because this is someone who, in the same way that Tarantino's love of like pulp B movies in, in really appreciating the artistry of them, not just the fact mm-hmm. that they're fun, but that there's like the craft of movie making. Yeah, there's that a he reason why they that. feel the way they do. Yet yeah. He got to this level of storytelling by something like kill bill or inglorious bastards where it's sort of like you see those influences yet. It's like reaching this kind of high art that feels like it's, very much it's so far beyond a B movie in the same way that this is so far beyond the kind of um, pop catchy universality of like a classic Nintendo game as much as Mm -hmm. that's not a disparity of those things. Like that's my favorite stuff in the world, but Jake's taste almost began out of love and appreciation for, you know, like Capcom and Konami games and Mm -hmm. grew into this place where it's on par with the work of great classical composers and the greatest film composers. You know, it's we're, we're, I'm sure we're always going to make those comparisons and talk about them. But at this point, it's like, we don't have to say that. Like it's, this is just, this is Jake Kaufman's music and like his style and his yeah. voice and it's, I mean and that's kind of what I was trying own. to get at where it's like you can hear in the same way with John Williams you know it just feels unfair to constantly be referencing Corn Gold and Franz Waxman and because it's really know, its all own of that thing because too. it's like he is his own composer too and he does have his own voice as versatile as maybe he can be style wise it's like you always are going to know it's John Williams and I think part of that too is just that 
those composers that have their craft down to the point that they can write so quickly and pour out this really complex music that just feels like it must have been like almost painful and grueling to meticulously yeah. write that they're composers that work at that rapid rate i think their thumbprints are more easily identifiable because they're not bogged down with that sort of insecurity and neuroticism that i think plagues people who anguish over something for a really long time and change it yeah and i just this i just wanted to give a you know shout out and a thanks if, if jake ever hears this episode just and if he doesn't just thank you so much for your inspirational music i mean seriously one of the most inspirational composers to me i cannot wait for the next project i'm going to be listening to this score over and over and over again so the play out is the end credits listen to this whole thing the last 35 seconds are glorious <laughs> so yeah, there's so much it's, a, it's an exciting it time i can't wait to play this game i can't wait to play the new monkey island and oh I my know. gosh a new score by it, the dream I think in team? a couple days yeah unbelievable all right guys we're gonna leave you with this end credits this was too much fun thank you so much and will did you have a good time i don't even of course you know i did <laughs> This is the end credits from Shovel Knight Dig. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.